Welcome to the Amazing Truth Podcast, a podcast where we focus on real issues and have real talk, and as always, provide a biblical perspective. We hope that you will be blessed as you listen. Hello and welcome to the Amazing Truth Podcast. This is the Amazing Truth Minute. This is the Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook at the Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Real issues, real talk. For the Amazing Truth Minute, we'll focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. And it says, You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, our culture holds a lax view about sex. And the prevailing attitude is, anything goes. But our culture doesn't define the values of a believer. The word of God does. And the scriptures have plenty to say about how we handle our bodies. The phrase, bought at a price, is an image Paul used in his letter to the church at Corinth. And it's a phrase borrowed from the slave market. As believers, we were purchased with the blood of Christ. And therefore, our bodies are no longer our own. The scriptures instruct believers to flee from sexual immorality. Paul wrote, Do you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 15 Christ's followers are called to bring glory to God with every aspect of who we are, and that includes our bodies. And that is the Amazing Truth Minute. This is the Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook at The Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Real issues, real talk. Right, welcome, welcome, welcome back, Dr. Karin. Good to see you again, and uh, my lovely brother here. Yes, Kenan. Pleasure. good to see you too. I, I was gonna say good to see you again, but we've been together, so yes, good yes. to continue good to hanging yeah. out <laughs> right <laughs> together. Well, our viewers and our listeners, we want to welcome you back to our series um, talking about sexual trauma. If in case you're joining us for the first time, we have covered uh, several topics. Uh, the first uh, episode, we defined what sexual trauma is, uh, the importance of us being able to discuss about it. The next, we had uh, Dr. Karen share her personal story about that journey and um, uh, definitely the wounds, the, 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 the process and the healing that, you know, that, 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 that whole process encompasses, encompassed. Uh, the last episode we talked about the emotional the, spirit, the effects the that effects the effects sexual, of yep. sexual trauma right yep, yep. so the emotional part the physical the part. physical part you, you know um, the, emo- oh, the, yep. the mental part right and so we, we were hoping that we were going to get to the most important part which is what we're going to dive in mm-hmm. today but before we dive in Kenan what, what, what so far stood out for you? Uh, from the last three, I think it's what uh, Dr. Karen pointed out that these these effects are long, lifelong. You know, if someone would uh, encounter an insult at age fourteen or age twelve, but then these effects go into adulthood and even mm-hmm. into old age. Yeah. You know, in terms of how you date, mm-hmm. how you relate to people, mm-hmm. 
how you handle life circumstances. So that's what, uh, it's not just a one-off thing that you go to therapy, you go this, and then it's gone. These effects last lifelong. Awesome. I think the other thing for me that stood, has stood out so far is, you know, the foundation that is laid determined who you become. How we define sexuality, yeah. if, how we define, if we define it from a negative connotation, you know, that's what it becomes, the confusion it causes right. over a period of time. Um, um, and so... I'm, I'm more keen on reframing that narrative so that it's, an, it's shared from a positive perspective. Another thing too that really, really was important for me is how I speak to my kids about sex. I remember you were sweating on yeah, that. Yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> was the first, I was, yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and actually, uh, thanks to that episode, I was able to sit down with my kids, my nice. wife and I, and we, nice. we, had, a, we had a conversation. Nice. I'll be how it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. But it's, um, we had started it, but we, had, we didn't know we could go Deeper. deep mm-hmm. in that because they are kids. They need to learn these things yeah. from parents. If they don't, mm-hmm. someone else will teach them. And you don't know what they're going to teach them. So yes. that's, that's a takeaway from me. See, from that even if this podcast doesn't do anything, it has yeah, helped you. It has helped me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We so always say we reach one person. Exactly. I think for that one, it was exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, definitely um, uh, a lot of gems, a lot of gems. Listeners, viewers, please go back, listen to the previous episodes. We will not be able to share all the highlights. Yes. Uh, but one thing as, as we transition to today's conversation is um, the feedback. I think, uh, Dr. Karen, you can attest that you've seen emails come your way uh, of people who want to have conversations as a result of what we, we have been sharing here and the partnership that is continuing to grow and to help more people. So we, we're definitely excited that it's not only us, but we are seeing people reaching out and we are connecting them to get the help that they need. So that has been the, uh, the, the exciting part. Today, Dr. Karen, we are transitioning to spirituality. You know, spirituality, religion, the role that all these play in, in sexuality and sexual trauma and the healing process of it all. Why is this important? So first of all, say hi to the audience. Uh, you're already, you already part you're of a household, the, you're household now. So <laughs> just take it. How, why is this conversation important? I have been cautioned that I should review my credentials every time we have one of these podcasts just in case uh someone this was feedback i got uh just in case uh, someone didn't listen to the others uh so i am dr karen abdul i'm a psychiatrist with a certification in global mental health and trauma to refugees um i was uh trained in medicine at Howard University in Washington, D.C., and then went to uh, the Harvard uh, Psychiatry Residency Program at the Longwood Campus, which is currently called the uh, Harvard Medical School Brigham and Women's uh, Psychiatry Residency Program. It's a big mouthful. completed that residency in in 2013 and I have been practicing since. I worked for five years uh, specifically at Lynn Community Health Center where I treated refugees, many of whom had suffered sexual trauma and some of whom had very, uh, very strongly intertwined religious beliefs around sex, sexuality, 
and the trauma associated with sex, the relationship issues, um, and you know, there was just, there was a lot there. So I am happy to be discussing this, this topic. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. before you go, go I think I, I want to, we will in the future, I don't know if it's the next one, talk about refugees and sexual trauma because uh, a lot of PTSD from refugees comes from most war or even what, you know, what, what war brings, sex, rape, and all this, uh, incest and all that sort of thing. So I think that would be a good topic for us to dive in in the future. Absolutely. I remember being a teenager and standing on the campus of what was then called Caribbean Union College, it's now called the University of the Southern Caribbean. And <clears throat> we used to go there every year. They had several events on campus. Um, and there were always these big graduations and there was someone graduating um, and so my family went, and we were in the teen section and having discussions about the Sabbath. And so I, being who I am, raised my hand and I asked the question of the adults in the room, is it okay for a married couple to have sex on the Sabbath? <laughs> and while a question like that may not stir up too much, uh, uh, too many feelings in this day and age, if you can imagine a very conservative uh, Seventh-day Adventist church in the 1980s, the interesting thing for me was the reaction of the adults. There was a lot of blushing, even the men blushed. There was a lot of, of tittering and gawking and, oh my gosh, you know, in the background, she asked that question. Uh, and eventually, one of the pastors got up and very uncomfortably addressed it by saying, uh, the Lord says that the marriage, or the Bible says that the marriage bed is undefiled. And so I believe that it is appropriate to have sex on Sabbath. And the reason I tell the story is because it highlights for me the acute discomfort about talking about sex in our church. Now, people will talk about marriage all the time. We, we all know these texts, and I'm sure our children know these texts, and our children's children will know these texts. Um, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the twain shall be one flesh. Right, we know that. Um, the marriage bed is undefiled. We definitely know that. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Relationship-wise, we talk a lot. But we don't talk about sex. It's very uncomfortable. And so it's interesting to me 
that you gentlemen are asking us to discuss <laughs> spirituality and sexuality. <laughs> that is very specific. <laughs> so let's start by establishing that God created sex to introduce marriage. This was what marriage was for God. When you had sex with your partner, you were married. And this is one of the reasons that the Bible had all of these elaborate discussions around prostitution and around fornication and around adultery. Because if you went outside of that marriage bond, meaning this sexual act is an indication that I am going to be with this person for the rest of my life, we are entering into a journey together and creating a legacy for our children. And that's what this act means. If you went outside of that, then you were trying to give to someone something that you cannot and something that God did not create the sexual act for. And so I want everyone to hear me that when we are discussing the act of sexuality and spiritual, spirituality, we must begin with that context. Outside of that context, sex becomes an act that is devoid of its spiritual meaning. I'll stop here for a second. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I am thinking, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am thinking deeply, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I think for listeners who are joining, the couple of things as, as we anchor into this conversation is, I want to ask yourself a question. Who defined your pers perspective of, of what sex is? What is your church? Was it, was it your culture? Was it your pastor? Was it your parents? Uh, and how did that influence you? What role has that continued to play into your life? So, Kenan, sex, spirituality, godliness. <laughs> First of all, I agree that we shy away from talking about sex. Mm -hmm. We talk about marriage. We talk about relationship. You know, you, you just, you just confess that even having that conversation with your children is just a hard thing. You know, it was just, uh, just a hard thing. Uh, we, so, so why do we shy away? <laughs> it was something good. You know, you, you, you answer the question because we, the basis of where you are taught about sex, where you started hearing this conversation, uh -huh. de defines how you will relate to it in church, yeah. spiritually in the future. Mm -hmm. So if at home I wasn't taught about this, it wasn't talked about, it was basically frowned upon to even discuss that. Mm -hmm. So when I go to the church and I hear it, my parents, if my parents did not bring this, make it comfortable, make mm -hmm. it okay for me to talk about it when, it, when I hear it in church, I fringe. It's uncomfortable. Spirituality is a big yep. part of who we are. It is, we are emotional people, we are physical people, we are spiritual people, mm -hmm. we, you know. So when we talk <coughs> about sexuality, it has to be wholesome. 
it has an effect on your mental well-being mm-hmm. it has an effect on your emotional well-being it has your effect on physically yeah. your well-being it also has effect on your spiritual well-being so we cannot discuss being wholesome outside discussing this concept of spirituality mm-hmm. and sexuality yeah uh, to to bring it back to you dr before, karen before you bring dr karen i think you you lay the ground well because any conversation or any talk or any topic about sex should begin with a spiritual aspect and it should be wholesome it should be wholesome yeah yes. of course it should yeah. be wholesome yes. but then it's that sh- it should anchor you that's yeah. what that's what should anchor because that's where we get the tenets of yeah. what speech sex is yeah yeah so <laughs> I'm, i'm i'm excited about this i'm excited about this uh, let me bring dr karen by saying graph not uh, in the, in the context of of first of all before dr karen you come back there are people who had you use words like sabbath and they don't know what that is this is this is this is the seventh day adventist to worship on saturday just like the jewish and they observe saturday as their day of worship you might be worshiping on sunday or another day but in that context well, how was that religion of yours shaped who you are so going back to this concept here in christian perspective from a christian perspective we see rape in the bible we see abuse in the bible we see guidelines or values written in the bible across you know all these yet we we talk very less of this topic that is littered all over the bible from just the first text in genesis 1 where it says and god created man uh, both male and female and then he goes on to say the two were naked and they were not ashamed right like right, right there we are anchored in in the concept of sexuality all right so dr dr karen let's get back to this conversation now the role of sexual spirituality and sexuality what 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 are some how how do you think the shying away from these has shaped the view of sexuality as a whole I don't know if, if I'm making that sense in that question. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I, I think religion, mm-hmm. and when I say religion, I am speaking of not just about Christian religion, mm-hmm. but religion in general, mm-hmm. has had a, a profound impact on the way that sexuality is viewed mm-hmm. in societies. Mm-hmm. In the Bible, there is this, a tension between the people of God and the people in the surrounding environs and it was very interesting that uh one of the things that I learned is that part of the reason that men were set up as the priests in the uh in the Jewish community and this is not about women's ordination let me say that categorically it has nothing to do with whether i think women should be ordained <laughs> okay uh-huh. Uh-huh. but one of the reasons that in that particular culture at that particular time in that particular environment men were set up as the priest is that the cultures in the surrounding areas had a very powerful female priestess role and one of one of the acts that was engaged in was sexual acts 
in the temples in celebration of those gods. And so for the people in those cultures, their sexuality was shaped by these sexual acts in a spiritual context to their gods. <clears throat> and God wanted to make a statement to the people of Israel that this was not the way that sex was to be used. Mm -hmm. um, and he started with setting up a spiritual leadership process that <clears throat> that sh shut that down. Like he was, you know, sort of very, it was very clear, mm -hmm. this is not to happen in the temple here. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm not even going to put women in these roles because this is not to happen. Um, and it was part of the reminder for us of what sex is supposed to be and the context of sex. Um, so sex began on the sixth day of creation in a very spiritual way. Uh, and it was reestablished in these processes with the nation of Israel. Uh, and there's a lot in between when the nation of Israel came to be and when sex began with Adam and Eve. And during that process, there were several different things, you know, horrific things that happened. Um, I believe w uh, one of the rapes you talk about in the Bible did happen uh, during that time. Some of them happened later on during the time of the judges. Some happened during the time of the kings. And then, and then there is sort of a morass of horror when the Israelites are captured by the Babylonians. And the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations both outline really horrific violence against women in the form of rape. And uh, uh, so it, it, it sort of runs the gamut of what the sexual act is supposed to be, what it is outside of that, what it is in prostitution, um, and what it is in violence. The Bible is not shy about about this at all not shy it exposes everything which leads us to one of the most famous books that's not talked or preached about in the bible before you go and there that, doctor, before you go there dr mm -hmm. karen you, you've mentioned something that i felt like i should uh, jump in here the bible is not shy at all it exposes the ills it talks about the ills the goodness the badness the reconstruction of sexuality. We look at today's society. We see a lot of sexual scandals in religious people, religious setting. We see these uh, in. Um, I mean, we can we can talk about when you think about the coverings of of young boys who are abused. We, you think about 
you know, even in the in the in the in churches, young girls who f- don't feel safe. You, but then there is these coverings that that end up taking place. How do we not stay silent because the Bible is not silent, but also do it in such a way that it's reconstructive, it's rebuilding? Because there's lawsuits, there's hidings, there's money, there's all those things happening. But the Bible is not silent about these issues, but neither does it castigate anyone and make them like they're not worth it or make them feel like they don't belong. How how do we, hopefully at some point you can you can get to that point because i don't want us to miss i want to i want it to reaffirm that these issues are not silent they are written off and god speaks about them and god is not pleased about them if anyone has experienced hurt pain these god just know that god is not silent because he has never been silent and he doesn't rejoice in silence of someone who's hurting yeah and there's 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 two ways to look at that too there's two ways from the, the people, the person that has, has experienced the heart mm-hmm. and what stops them from running to the church first mm-hmm. to, to express those concerns. Mm-hmm. And then you look at from the church's perspective, mm-hmm. are we equipped enough to deal with this heart? Mm-hmm. In the sense that if we don't even talk about it, we can't even bring the expertise in mm-hmm. to talk about So there's two facets of it which brings about just a, a calamity of what you know we see as yeah. what the church can do. The mm-hmm. of the church, yeah? mm-hmm. All right, back, back to you, Dr. Karan. I just thought that that's a mm-hmm. powerful point that you just powerful. mentioned there. So, I I think you're right. I think you you're bringing in a lot of, ooh, a lot of uh, a lot of different <coughs> angles mm-hmm. to this. I'd like us to start with the angle of what sex is, sex and spirituality, what it was intended to be. Mm -hmm. And then to address, you know, the role of religion uh, in all of this, and also the role of corruption in the religious world. Yes. Um, Because it is deep, and it's not just in the Christian church, it's it's all over, okay? so the the most uh, famous book in the Bible when it comes to sex is also the one that's probably least used in any sermon, and that is the Song, song, of, song, song of Solomon. Yes. The Song of Songs, okay? Um, and uh, I'm, I'm reading from the... from the New Living Translation here. Which, which uh, reason, chapter 1, verse 1, this is Solomon's song of songs, more wonderful than any other. And so that sets, that sets us up. The song of songs, which is Solomon's, that's the King James Version. The Amplified <clears throat> Bible says, the song of songs, in brackets, is the best of songs which is Solomon's. And the reason I read this first verse in all these different versions is to give us the context for this. And that is that the Bible is celebrating the way Solomon feels about his his bride here. 
And the Bible is saying this is the best of songs. The way he feels about her is the best of songs. And so, um, and so, Yes, so this is, this is not just any song. It is the song of songs. It is the best of songs. Okay? And so the Bible here is celebrating sex in its correct context. Now, we know Solomon was, to say the least, not a perfect man, and he had 300 wives. But whoever this young lady was, with her ebony skin and, you know, however else he described her, she was the one that he loved and she was the one that he saw this future with. You know, Dr. Karen, I'm reading a quote here from the book. You're saying, for your love is better than wine, <laughs> right? He's, he's, you know... Let me let me not get in trouble because <laughs> I need to get to the level of Solomon. All right, keep going. Uh huh. No, don't don't. You won't be getting in trouble because I am sure you feel that way about your wife, Ezra. Of course, that's what I'm saying. I, sh- I need to say it more often. <laughs> you know, I need to celebrate <laughs> this more often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a conversation mm-hmm. for yes. you to go start at home tonight. So. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna do devotion on this book tonight. All right, keep going. Yes. So, so in, in verse 3, he said, your name, this is in the Amplified Bible, mm-hmm. your name is perfume poured out. Mm. The, your name smells sweet to me. Mm. Your name is a perfume. Which is, you know, I mean, <laughs> just, just hearing your name gives me certain sensations it it, it it you know it stimulates my senses right mm-hmm. uh and you know the book goes on uh the the she says you know draw me away with you and let us run away together let the king bring me into his chambers we will rejoice and be glad in you. We will remember and extol your love more than wine. You know, and she talks about, she describes herself. And one of the things that I love about this book is that it definitely, it's Solomon's song, but it definitely carries the perspective of a woman and her emotional connection with sex. Women, we, you know, our bodies are so scrutinized. You know, the color of our skin is scrutinized. You know, the length of our hair is scrutinized. You know, the, the shape of our breasts, the, you know, our legs, everything, everything. And women spend, I mean, the beauty industry is a, is a, is a trillion, dollar industry. industry everything from surgeries to other kinds of procedures to 
you know, facials and spa things to cosmetics, you know, just for women to feel better about their appearance. Uh, in fact, I, <laughs> I heard about a procedure, which I didn't know about, but apparently it, this may not be news to our listeners out there, but it was news to me that there is a, a, an eyelash lengthening procedure mm. where I, do, I don't know how they do this, but they take individual eyelashes and they, they somehow fuse other eyelashes on to them or in between to make eyelashes look thicker and longer. And I mean, this is, this well, is the I, extent. I don't laugh. <laughs> no, it's like, like it yeah, speaks it's to where, right. like the industry and yeah. the, the, the cravings and the market and you know, all that. Mm -hmm. The desire this to be loved. The desire to be loved, the desire to be considered attractive, yeah. the desire to be valued mm -hmm. for the way you look. And so she, in verse five, starts talking about the way she looks. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. She says, I am deeply tanned, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, I am dark like the tents of the Bedouins of Kedar, like the beautiful curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me because I am, t I am dark. I have worked in the sun. It has left its mark on me. <laughs> you know, she, 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 she's, she's, you know, it's, it's almost this defense to the world. I am dark and I am defending myself for my color. Mm -hmm. And I am telling you that my husband, who at the time was the powerful king of Israel, one of the, the wisest person mm -hmm. in the land at that time, has chosen me despite my darkness, which is not a good thing. <laughs> you know, he chose her and loved her and included her darkness in his love for her. But her perspective was a defense. Do you see what I mean there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's immediately setting it up. Immediately setting it up. I have worked in the sun. It has left its mark on me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards. But my own vineyard, my complexion, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, and so they put in the context. My own vineyard, my complexion, I have not kept. Tell me, O oh you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flocks? Where do you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be like one who is veiled beside the flocks of your companion? And then Solomon responds, if you do not know where your lover is, oh, you fair, fairest among women. So he immediately sets her up. I consider you the fairest among women. I consider you the most beautiful. You do not have to defend your complexion. You do not have to tell anybody that you were working in vineyards and you know the sun has beat down on you, that you're dark. You don't have to say that. 
If you don't know where I am, you fairest of women, run along the tracks of the flocks, pasture goats by the tents of the shepherds. To me, my love, you are like my favorite mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments. And so he goes into a description of how he sees his wife. I think you are lovely. I think your neck looks like a string of jewels. We'll make for you chains and ornaments of gold. We'll, we'll make you beautiful, you know, and, and make you studded with beads of sil silver. Do you see? So he counters her defense with an, I think you're beautiful. You know, you know, Dr. Karen, first of all, I'm thinking about the modern era we are living in, this, this era, where there's low self-esteem. The, 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 the world or society or the industry has defined the standard of beauty. And we look at this young lady here. She's dark. You know, and mm -hmm. there's some girls who have been told because you're dark, you're not beautiful enough. Because you're not this tall, you're not beautiful enough. Because you have this type of body, you're not beautiful enough. And we see this young mm -hmm. girl definitely having gone through that in her life. She feels that she's dark. And not only do I see dark in terms of skin color, but I also see dark emotionally. Uh, she, you know, when mm -hmm. she talks about, you know, uh, because the sun has turned me and uh, she's been uh, keeping the vineyard like almost a slave type, you know, being like as a mm -hmm. slave, all that. So she's dark in terms of her, her complex outward, but also emotionally and, and even spiritually she's looking at that. But what is the role of the husband now, the lover now? And, and you look at these, you know, to the young girls who are out there, to someone who's mm -hmm. broken because they've been in a relationship. You know, we've all gone through painstaking relationships. And we come with our dark sides, maybe by complexion, maybe emotionally, maybe, you know, there is, there is love. <laughs> there is genuine love. Of course, sometimes human beings cannot give the perfect genuine love, but we have a heavenly father who can restore that image of love. However, mm -hmm. hey, we got to do men better as men. <laughs> yeah, and I think when you speak to the role of the husband, the husband plays a big role in increasing her self-esteem. Yes. And that it boils down to our home, mm. our, our nucleus. Mm. I mean, if the home is not a place where we feel we have high self-esteem, self we feel that we are valued, we feel like we are in, in esteemed mm -hmm. as people, then we look to the world. And yes. what does the world bring? Mm -hmm. It's a corrupted view of how we look at people. Yes. There's a story that was leaking today at, uh, in the news, a girl in a high school being uh, 20, this is 2021, being ridiculed because of her skin. Mm -hmm. Now, if the home front is not as stable and they're not bring about these values that you add, you're deeply tanned, but you're beautiful. You are, mm -hmm. the sun is gazing at you. You know, this, the mm -hmm. home plays a big role in talking about this. And that's why we're talking about sex. Yep. It shoots that, at, at least from such at home. I want to bring and it. I, I, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, doctor. I was and I need to it. point out, Solomon didn't say you're deeply tanned, but. But, yeah. Solomon said, you are the fairest. Mm. Ah. Ah. There is no but. Ah. Your dark skin mm -hmm. is the most beautiful. Yes. Like if you if you follow the trajectory of this passage to the end, because he, you know, he he, you know, she talks about how uh, she 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 starts to talk about her love for him and what he means to her. And, you know, 
he says that your your eyes are beautiful. You're beautiful, my darling. Behold how beautiful you are. Your eyes are dove's eyes. This is in verse 15. Um, and then she responds, behold how fair and handsome you are, my beloved, and so delightful. And then in the very, at the very end, in verse 17, we begin to see the coming together. And so it switches, the, the, the poem switches from you and me back and forth to our. Mm. Our arbor is green and luxuriant. The beams of our houses are cedars. Our rafters and panels are cypresses. It's beautiful, man. This poem is, listen, you, you, you paint the Bible differently. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is not the side of the story we're always hearing about when you talk about love, when you talk about sex, when you talk about all these. We, we think that being a Christian or coming from a religious perspective, there's some timid and and there is, there's those boundaries of respect. But God created us emotional beings. He created us people who want mm-hmm. to be loved, to be appreciated, to to be only uh, only if we could, we, could, we could experience what yeah. God really intended for us. Let's bring mm-hmm. this back, Dr. Karen. How now sexuality and, and now this poem what are you seeing here? What are you seeing here? By the way, this is a poem, anyone who's joining us, uh, found in the book called Songs of Solomon or Songs of Songs. Uh, it's a book in the Bible and it's all about love and sexuality and the beauty between two people and how beautiful God intended for sexuality to be in our, in our lives. And a good, that's a good place to segue to now, looking at now what we have right now. How has this been corrupted? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> may I may I point out? Yes, 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 so, yes. So this is really interesting to me. Sort of the trajectory of this, the the psyche mm-hmm. in this poem, mm-hmm. um, because the poem begins with that statement: "This is the best song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. It's the best of the best, the most wonderful one." It goes into, it dips into the psyche of his wife her feelings about herself, then it moves into his validation of her beauty mm-hmm. and his validation of her dark skin as beautiful. And she, as she sees herself through his eyes, she begins to herself feel validated and feel secure in his love. And so they begin their partnership, their our perspective. And in, 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 in chapter two, the bride, <laughs> this is amazing. You know, the bride begins with confidence. I am the rose of Sharon, mm. of the plain of Sharon, the lily of the valleys that grows deep in places. Like the lily among the thorns, so are you, my darling, among the maidens. Like an apple tree, rare and welcome among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. In his shade, I took great delight and sat down. So it's now a back and forth on a different term. It's a back and forth with an understanding of what they mean to each other and how 
each other is valued. Do you see? Yep. Yep. The, the value that he gives her, she takes on as her own. So she starts out in the second chapter, beautiful, mm-hmm. confident. And it's very interesting to me because when Paul says to us, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. There's a psychological component there that we miss completely, which is that no matter how broken the church becomes, God has a vision of beauty that if we as his people adopt, if we adopt his vision for us, we celebrate our beauty. And there's there's an intimacy to the role of the husband in all of this, in that this is playing out there, where she, his wife, and this is not to say that women should look to men for validation or look to their husbands for validation. I am talking about what he is doing as a man and, 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 and a part of what manhood means emotionally is that he brings this validation that allows her to see herself through his eyes, just as God begs us to see us through his eyes, through the way that he created us. And as she sees herself through his eyes, this is the power man that you have over your wives. This is, this is the power that you have. She sees herself through his eyes and literally is learning her beauty. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's literally learning her beauty to the point where she becomes confident. And that's a powerful thing. It, it, it's, it's easily, it, it, it's, it's something that I think is too big for men and it's something that, as men, you would have to surrender to God every day. Dr. Karen, I think we need to end this podcast. She's coming at us now. As <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but it's, just, it's, beautiful. it's just beautiful to see why God gave us this concept of love, which ultimately drives and leads us back to sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. When you love well, how you view sex, 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 sexuality becomes profound, becomes, you empower, you equip others. You don't see women as sex objects, or you don't see your husband as, you know, or your partner. You, you, you look at each other as, at the end of it, when done correctly and rightly, everybody wins. Everybody becomes a better person. You know, everybody, society becomes a better space, a better place. We talk about rape not being, not, not, we wouldn't even have that conversation about even that because if I love you dearly, I would even think of abusing you, or, you know, or, or that. So, I, I, yeah, we're scratching That's the why I feel like it's, it's so deeply important that we discuss this passage and, and understand what is happening here because they are moving they they talk you know she talks about 
His banner over me is love, waving overhead to protect and comfort me. You know, he's sustaining me um, because, and, and this is verse 4 of chapter 2. Sustain me with raisin cakes, refresh me with apples because I am sick with love. She's, she's completely vulnerable, completely vulnerable. And the sexual act begins to be described. So for verse six, let his left hand be under my head and his right hand embrace me. So here we're beginning to talk about the positions of sex, you know, how he's holding her, you know? Um, and he is saying, I'm letting her sleep. Don't rouse her until she pleases, you know? And, and, and they begin, you know? I, I'm it, it, it begins to be this beautiful sexual dance, which, you know, you were both married. Mm -hmm. So you understand this dance. Yes. You understand yeah. the, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. let me wait until she wakes up. Let me hold her and protect her. Let me, you know, we, we start to touch. It, 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 it's an incredibly intimate, you know, intimate discussion that is happening here let me you know oh my dove here in the clefts of the rock this is verse 14 in the sheltered and secret place of the steep steep pathway let me see your face let me hear your voice for your face is lovely you know you know and literally if we if we had the chance to really go through this you know <laughs> i think we do <laughs> <laughs> I think we do not today, but um, what? Not today, not today. Yes, but you know they talk about his wedding day and it, it very specific sexual acts in this really beautiful context of security, of validation, of emotional connection, of building a legacy together. You know. And, it, it, you know, all he, he talks about, your, your lips are like a ribbon of scarlet. This is Songs of Solomon, chapter 4. Mm -hmm. Your lips are like a ribbon, ribbon of scarlet, verse 3. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples are like a slice of a pomegranate. He is studying her. He's, he is studying her. Your neck is like the Tower of David. You know, you know. And I guess this was, you know, poetry back in those days. This was lyrics, you know, uh, uh, built with uh, rows of glistening stones <laughs> wherein hang a thousand shears. Like Solomon had lyrics. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies. You know, I mean, he, 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 he goes in and, and says, oh, my love, you are altogether beautiful and fair. There is no flaw and blemish in you come away with me you know let's let's go to that secret place you have ravished my heart you know you have ravished my heart and given me courage with a single glance of your eyes with one jewel of your necklace you know how you know your lips drip honey honey and milk are under your tongue <laughs> hey, for those who are not getting these these uh, proverbial language mm -hmm. being used here, you know that's key thing we're talking about there. How will you know the honey and the the you know right. under the tongue and stuff? But I th it's beautiful <laughs> because this is what we would 
God had envisioned sex as a beautiful thing. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. it's a pe- beautiful picture the Bible paints here. Amazing. You know, you yes. know, Doctor Karen, we have to respect time, especially for you your yet. end. Uh, so <laughs> let's come back and say this. You we are going, going to pause here. <laughs> we are going to pause here and say this to our listeners. Listen, our listeners. I don't know what, and, and I know myself. I need, I need healing. I need healing because growing up, these are not conversations. This text, and and have you ever had a sermon preached from this? Like, uh-uh. you know, guys. Let me let me say this. Let's read Solomon chapter four, verse fifteen uh-huh. and sixteen, because this is this is, you know what we're getting down into it now. You are a fountain in a garden, a well of fresh and living water, and streams <laughs> flowing from. Look, look, look at here. That language. I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Awake, O north wind, and come south wind, blow softly upon my garden. This is the sexual act. This is the uh-huh. sexual act. Make my garden breathe out fragrance. So, so his senses are all engaged. He's studying with his eyes, his nose. He's tasting her. Let, you know, make my garden breathe out fragrance for the one in whom my soul delights. Let its spices flow forth. He's tasting her. Let she oh, is saying this. I, I love she this is part. saying <laughs> let the, the, this is the woman speaking. She wow. responds when he says you are a fountain. She responds, make my garden breathe out fragrance. Let its spices flow forth. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat its choicest fruits. <laughs> That's her invitation. <laughs> Listen, listen, listeners. Wow. This is profound. <laughs> if you just skim through these these books, you would like this is PG thirteen. Like this is this is rated stuff. Right, right. But, this but, is this is rated stuff. And he responds again. Mm-hmm. I have come into my garden, my sister. I have gathered my myrrh, so I've smelled you along with my balsam and spice from your sweet words. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my, my milk. I, 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 I have tasted. <laughs> you know, I, we, we can go on and on, but I we, know we, we have to we, stop. We, we will go on and on. Oh, yeah. I, we, I, we, 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 we did envision I, for I, another part, but I, I think, I think that we just so. have to go back in this book and do it justice while we're looking at it and saying, okay, let's talk about mm-hmm. sexuality. What mm-hmm. does it look like in this book? Like that starts mm-hmm. reconstructing the and deconstructing the, the, the views and the, of, of sexuality where people yeah. view each other yeah. as, as tools and objects and stuff. But, but this yeah, just... Yeah, I mean, my cheeks are red now. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, yeah, and, and <laughs> go on, you two. And, and it's, <laughs> it's true because I've been into family family what do you call them family life seminars sessions, seminars, seminars and workshops but then when this specific practical topics are being brought up yeah. we frown yeah we frown because mm. when you say he tasted her when you bring that up in a family family yeah. family seminar yeah i mean the question could be how do you taste her right you know that's a practical response mm-hmm. how does that make you feel right when you do mm-hmm. that but 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 it's not it's even talking about how to prepare each other for the moment mm-hmm. you know how to mm-hmm. invite each other in that, that yeah. sacred space in that sacred place you know 
how to and, and all that is just a beautiful <laughs> lesson. And right? it and Solomon butters her up. Yeah. Up from chapter one. Exactly. Yep. Slowly mm-hmm. building into mm-hmm. it. She's broken in chapter one, remember? right? Yeah. She's, she's bro- dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's so and, and I'm bringing this into a con- context now with what we live. I mean, you know, do you just go in and go out. out? You know, so but then the but he just butters I don't even knew you were struggling to say go in, go <laughs> out. <laughs> but you get the point. But it's point. it's how you mm-hmm. see when you say you, she sees her beauty through his eyes. You, you know the takeaway lesson for me, for me, let me now make it personal myself, is... Uh-oh. No, seriously, <laughs> we, can, we can talk about these things and not only be able to be realistic right. about ourselves. This is real talk, real life, real talk. I think as a man, I can do much more. That's what I'm learning. I think how I pamper my wife, how I speak oh, yeah. to her, how I show, man, God, God, God has to help me because I'm, I'm, I'm miles and miles away. Yeah, but, but, but just knowing that the healing of our daughters lies in how their fathers will treat them, you know, healing of, of, of the young ladies who have been traumatized, you know, how we speak to them, how we show up, yeah. how we don't take advantage of them, you know, how, what that does to society at large and helps us grow. Uh, it's an a call and appeal for for men and a poor call and appeal for women who have been hurt and men who have been hurt to realize that you know you may you may have gone through your dark experience. You may be dark emotionally, mentally, spiritually, but we can together help each other come out of that space in that place and heal yes. and bring that reconciliation, right? Right. Absolutely. Dr. Karim, we'll, we'll let you give us your final word and then we'll bring it back. I know we, yeah, we'll, we have to come back to this. We, we, have, to. we have to. So we'll let you yes. finish with this and then give us your final word and then bring it up here and then we wrap up. Okay. So sex is beautiful. And the beauty of sex is something that we as a church need to do better on communicating to our young people. Because very clearly, part of the beauty of sex is the context of sex in establishing that secure relationship between a husband and wife, where the wife can be in her husband, nestled in her husband, the way that the church should be nestled in Christ. And the man can be so completely surrendered to God that he learns to understand how to demonstrate to his wife just what she means to him, Mm -hmm. the way that God does. Yeah. Let's find out. And so we... We as a church need to preach this message about sex before we start preaching the don'ts. Without this, there's no context to the don'ts. They're just random don'ts. And then what will happen is our young people will look at the TV and they'll see people having sex and enjoying it because sex outside of marriage is pleasurable. It's, it's lust-driven and it, you know, people have orgasms and they, you know, they experience pleasure, sexual pleasure. 
but the intent of God was validation, restoration, emotional and physical intimacy. That was his intent in the creation of sex. And that you cannot get from a random sexual experience. That you can get from a man and woman who are submitted to God, walking with each other. And that's the only way that can happen. And so let's start with the beauty of sex. When we preach this in our congregations, Okay. I, I, I know what Ezra's topic of sermon will be next time. <laughs> but I just want to say it, what has stuck with me is that um, I am the driver of this. God has given me, that as a man, God has given me that responsibility to empower myself by studying his word mm-hmm. and empower my the women in my life and my, the people around me, especially my wife and my daughter, to know that they are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And how I treat my wife, how I treat my wife will be the same way the daughter will, my daughter will, be, will expect her man to treat her. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's, that's my takeaway from this. There's a lot of takeaways for me. Uh, just one thing I'll say. It's, uh, I think it's uh, both, both men and women. We both have a role to play. Um, in these and understanding how we we partner in these, um, it's critical. It's important. Uh, number two, what I'll say is, um, I think we have spent. We grew up hearing "don't, don't, 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 don't," but we never understood the why right. behind the "don't." So uh, even those of us who are actively engaged in our sexual lives. I think it's important to understand the why behind it. Even married or not married, partners are understanding the why. What am I hoping? What is the goal, the end goal of this? And once we understand the context of the why, the how will become easier because we know why we're getting towards that. So uh, deep, deep, deep stuff. You always think the Bible is just about do's and don'ts. There's a rich, rated you know, sexual lessons that we can draw from the, the, the scripture, uh, whether you read the Bible or not. Um, I'm not asking you to come to my church, our church. Um, all I'm saying is that take time to read for yourself, understand for yourself, and figure out that um, we can do better. This is part of who we are. This is what God intended for us. Uh, so much pain, so much heartache. But the journey starts today for us to do it the right way as we move forward. Yes, and I think we'll, from the next time, we have to engage you again, Dr. Karen, is we'll build up from this now. Yeah. Although it's going to be a different light, but we'll, we'll build up to see where we, the society we live in, what is the, the societal view of sex, but then bring it back mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what the beauty of sex is yeah. and what God or your, your spiritual, spiritual being mm-hmm. expects you to, to learn about sex. Amen.
Um, Thank you so much, viewers, listeners. I, I am telling you, this is one of those podcasts that you will have to take your, 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 your book, your Bible, and just sit and walk through these as you listen to it. Yeah. We encourage you to uh, just, 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 just understand, understand the beauty of sexuality and why we are sexual beings and why we are created the way we are. And once you understand the why, uh, I think the journey, um, the sky will be the limit. Yeah. That has been our time here at Amazing Truth. Yep. Ministries. And if, if you've watched this up until this point, please, if you've not subscribed yet, if you're not listening to us, just please give us that subscribe button. And Hit share it. with someone share who with someone. there might benefit from this because it's not about views and getting followers, it's but about it's about re- helping people re- yes. to get the help that and they the need. Out there. Thank you. That has been this episode of the Amazing Truth Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amazing Truth Podcast. We hope you were blessed as you listen. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. God bless you, and see you on the next one.